Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled A Glorious Inheritance and is based on Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 23. It was delivered on All Saints Sunday, November 6th, 2022, by Pastor Steve Pierce. This is a special passage for me. Uh, If you know my story, then you know that uh, the book of Ephesians has a special place in my heart as we will be reading the verses that saved my life, the ones that God used to help me see the gospel more clearly and to believe and to walk in the spirit of truth and love. And those verses, when we get to them, are verses 13 and 14. So listen now for the word of the Lord. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, and just like that, the year is winding down. Before the Halloween candy was distributed to eager, dressed-up Spider-Mans and Harry Potters and fairies and witches and ghosts and vampires and goblins, the Christmas decor was already coming out. I don't know if you saw at Costco or other stores, in early August, there were Christmas trees on display with Santa Clauses and snowmen singing and dancing. Our gardens have been put to bed. 
Our lawnmowers have taken their rightful place in the garage next to the snow shovels and the snow throwers. Uh, We only have 56 days left to make good on any of our New Year's resolutions. And if we're being completely honest, the real sign that time is on the move happened at 2 o'clock this morning when we switched back uh, from daylight saving time to standard time. This is the season of autumn. And it's a season full of nostalgia, memories, even as we contemplate the beginning of another year's opportunity. And All Saints Sunday seems to fit right into all of these themes, this kind of thinking, where we remember those who have gone before, but we also welcome new saints into the kingdom of God, as we did with our very own Nick and Caroline Lou Bear's twins, Marigold and Kaya, and God willing, in time, we will welcome other children into the kingdom of heaven and, and of earth. Today's epistle lesson is rife with meaning. And it's a special one for, for me, as I've already said to you. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 are the verses that saved my life. So this is a very special passage for your pastor. The apostle is telling the Christians living in Ephesus that they need to know who they are and who are they. They're saints. And the Greek is literally holy ones, the ones who've been set apart for God's purpose. They were set apart. And it's not anything that they did on their own. It's everything God had done in and through them that made them holy. Like the Ephesians, we are created for saintliness. Maybe some of you don't feel that way. You, you might be thinking, you know, Steve, you, you, you have no idea what my morning was like. The things I've already thought about and said, or my week, or the things I've done. But as Christians, we really are called to saintliness. And our glorious inheritance is an enduring hope that fills the world with Christ's glory. This hope is not blind optimism that says, hey, you know what, Billy, at the end everything's going to work out. Or Sally, don't, don't worry about you, lose, you lost that job. Um, it's all going to work out. It's not that kind of optimism. It's rather hope that's grounded in the saints who have already gone before us and our ability to deal with tomorrow if things aren't better. Hope depends on God, not on us. It is the key to our endurance, a hope that will last. And if you were here during the sermon series, Building Blocks for the Christian Life, you'll recall that the church at Ephesus is the church where the young pastor Timothy served. And he was a target. He had fallen on hard times. People were giving him uh, criticism. There was false teaching all around that community, threatening the faith. And the people there were struggling to reconcile this new way of faith in Jesus Christ with the pagan world wrapping its venomous tentacles all around everything. 
The church, with all of its messes, with all of its disagreements, with all of its shortcomings, is the same faith community that the Apostle Paul gives thanks for, specifically for the way they love each other. He even prays for them to have wisdom and to know Christ's power. Here's the prayer, a prayer that could be applied to us today and is meant to be applied to our situation. Listen again and imagine he's saying this to Central. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? It is this power that gives Christ authority over all things. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians, he said, Christ is before all things and in him all things hold together. Christ is all in all. And because we are in Christ, you could say we are the fullness of his all in allness. Not only now, but in the age to come. We inherit what already existed before we came onto the scene. Like inheriting a precious family heirloom, only better. This truly is a glorious and enduring inheritance. On All Saints Sunday, we rejoice. We rejoice because we've known people who are saints. God has made us saints. God has set us apart to do the work of the kingdom. But we also grieve. We grieve because there's empty seats around us. When we remember the people who once joined us at this feast, but now participate in a heavenly banquet, we miss them. And we miss them because they're the ones who made a difference in our lives. And that's what saints do. They, they leave the world a better and a brighter place. I, I so appreciate the way Frederick Beekner puts it in his book, Wishful Thinking. He says, in his holy flirtation with the world, God occasionally drops a handkerchief. These handkerchiefs are called saints. And while saints don't always have it right, they're not in love with themselves And they're not obsessed with material things. No, more often than not, saints come to learn that humility and focus on God and others is the key to leaving this world a better place, a brighter place. And by grace, I would argue, they are more fully alive than most. 17-year-old Ian Bedlow The central character in Ann Tyler's novel, Saint Maybe, in a time of personal crisis, blurts out to his older brother Dan that he thinks his wife, Lucy, is having an affair. 
And his brother's so shocked by this news that he takes his own life. And a few days later, Lucy also commits suicide. A profoundly guilty Ian receives spiritual guidance from Reverend Emmett of the Storefront Church of the Second Chance. And Reverend, Reverend Emmett suggests to Ian that to make amends for his wrongdoing, he should drop out of college and raise his brother's children. And that's exactly what he does. Ian takes on the care of three children. It is his burden to bear his penance for the tragedies he has brought about. And because he sees these children as his penance, he becomes bitter. The novel follows Ian Bedlow's journey from bitter resignation to an awakening sense of joy and thankfulness over all the blessings these children have brought into his life. The obligations of caring for the children have not changed, only Ian's perspective has changed. The burden has become a blessing. The novel ends with Ian joyfully holding one of his his own newborn uh, child. Ian had forgotten himself and gotten into the lives of his children. Now he was ready to make his contribution to the world, the contribution of a loving parent. Ian certainly didn't start out as a saint, but there was still hope for him, as there is for each of us. And the contribution he made to the world was through his children, the children he grew to love. And I share that story with you because it gives me hope. Saints don't just start out being saintly. Christ works on our hearts and changes us from the inside out. Saints aren't some stylized human figure depicted in stained glass, nor are saints people long dead who have been declared by the church as Saints. Now, saints are both righteous and sinners at the same time. The only difference between a saint and a sinner is that the saint has said yes to God. As we come to the table this morning to celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, we do it remembering those who have gone before us and who will celebrate with us in a different place, but are certainly with us because Christ is present to them and to us. And so we thank God for those saints. We thank God for this moment. We thank God for them because they said yes to God. And as we approach the table this morning, this is our opportunity to say yes to Saint or sinner, all are welcome. All can come. Let's pray. Living God, we are aware of the great host of saints who go before us and will feast with us today. All these saints who have endured in hope, the same hope we share. Hope in the resurrection to come, certainly, but also hope 
in your kingdom here among us now. It is a hope that draws on the whole history of your people. A hope that draws on the anticipation of Christ's final victory over sin and death. Hope that is firmly grounded in the here and now as we surrender ourselves to your deep love for us. Oh God, we love you. Thank you for loving us more than we could ever imagine. For we offer this prayer in the name of Jesus and all God's people say, Amen. New to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.